Greetings everybody, it's a great blessing for me to come to you today. This is our first service of 2020 and I'm excited to bring the gospel of God's grace to you. I trust that you will just have a heart that is flooded with the knowledge that God is the same all the time. Well, I trust that you will have a heart that understands that God doesn't change his mind according to the calendar. Now, so many times we think that 2019 is different than 2020 or 2021 or whatever it would be. Uh, I think a lot of, and we have seen already a lot of messages where people think that uh, and would say, and I think it was a, a positive thing to say, to say that in this year will be the year of perfect vision where we will see clearly what the gospel is about. Uh, but I want to say to you, it is as clear every year. And the clearest time we could ever have seen what God has done for us is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is where clarity comes. So I want to say to you, uh, just uh, this year is going to be a year where the God that raised Jesus from the dead continues to be your God and that he's going to bless you. Glory to God. I want to welcome everybody that is watching this webcast for the first time as well as our regular viewers uh, you know, thank you so much for slotting in and allowing me again to serve you with the good news of the gospel, a radical message of God's grace where we go to the root of what it's all about and from where we have our expectation for what is to come. We are in the message of God's life and under the power of his Holy Spirit bringing forth his life in us. So let us just pray together and then we're going to get right into the word for this week. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much that we can be together. Thank you that I can sit here today in the studio and uh, again start in a new year knowing that this year has got one objective. In this year I've got this objective to just continue to believe the simple gospel the message of your grace, the message of your life, where it is all a gift. Thank you that you have come and you've brought us into 2020, when we can continually expect your goodness to manifest towards us. Thank you that you speak powerfully through me today and encourage your people as always. Amen. And as I was preparing for this message in this week, I was thinking on the faithfulness of God and the great power that we are under. You know, when you are under the rule of a king, doesn't matter how well it goes with you, at the end of the day, the rulership of the king and his power will manifest in your life. If you are under a king that is corrupt, you will find that you might not be corrupt in your heart, but the corruption of the king will, in the end, influence your life. That is how it works. Uh, we see that in normal governments. If we are under the government of a president and his cabinet, if they are corrupt, you can run your business as well as what you like. In the end of the day, the economy of that country will be influenced by what that king or that president does and indirectly is going to then have an influence on you. And that is why we vote 
and why we want certain presidents to uh, to have power and certain presidents not to have power because of that principle wherein we know that we are under the power of the one that stands um, as commander-in-chief or the one that is the king or the ruler now the beautiful thing about the gospel and what i want to say in today's message is that we are under the rulership of a good king we are under the power of a good king that is uh, what we stand under and we might be going through bad times sometime when we are under the power of this king but as much as what a person that's under the power of an evil king might have good times but eventually you're going to find the dominion and the power and the corruption of that king get to him or get to his business in the very same way we who are a believer in Jesus and who has submitted ourselves to the rulership of the of our King Jesus doesn't matter what we go through today at the end of the time we're gonna find his goodness get to us and it bringing us his life we've had this old story that uh, and it was said this way we might lose some battles but we winning the war and I think that that is something that can encourage us. As long as what we know, we are not in a war, but we are in a rest. And the only war we are in is to stay in the rest that he has given us and not to try and make things work by our own power. Now, um, to summarize what I'm going to say today is this. We are under the life sentence of life that is what we are under god has come in jesus christ and he has given a sentence over those that believe and trust and rely upon jesus as their king and the sentence that god has announced is a life sentence this life sentence is where we have been sentenced for life with life that is what he has come to give us so many times we would say you know somebody has maybe committed a crime and he got a life sentence in prison now we don't have a life sentence in prison we've got a life sentence under the good rulership of god in jesus christ that is what we have and that is what we can rest upon and what we can rely upon and his goodness doesn't matter where we are or what we are in as we rely upon this truth and we've submitted ourselves to his rulership we will find his goodness getting to us his goodness reaching us and bringing forth the fruit and the life of god in us glory to god now um, I want to say this in the, also in the light of uh, what I've experienced last year. Last year, and I'm not going to go into any detail, but it was not the easiest of years for me. I went through some um, difficult times. And what is, the, the, the thing that kept me going in that time was the knowledge of this truth. The knowledge wherein I could reckon myself dead 
undo my own efforts to make something work and alive unto the resurrection power of God. And I can promise you that that has brought me peace, that has brought me joy, and even in difficult times when you would find emotions want to play games, I found that deep in my heart there was a rest uh, in the integrity of God. Because if I looked at the full power of God applied to a person that has entered utter death, which was Jesus upon the cross and then put into the tomb, I found that the end of that put on display the clarity, the 2020 vision, if you want to call it like that, whatever you want to say, the clear vision on what happens to those who has put their trust in God and his rulership was manifested in the resurrection of Jesus. And that brought forth by the power of God in me thoughts and feelings and emotions that made me share in the life of God. Glory to God. So I want to say that when I talk about this, I don't talk about this from the perspective of a theory that I've read in the Bible. I talk uh, about what I'm preaching today from first-hand experiential knowledge. I can say this, and I remember saying this last year, friends, the gospel works. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, has the power to save us. This is what the Bible says, the gospel, the good news that Jesus was raised from the dead, and the fact that he was raised from the dead, is the power of God bringing salvation to us. Now, the scripture that I'm going to read today, I actually want to talk uh, uh, from Romans chapter 6, but I want to go into Romans chapter 8 and quickly go through some verses there, verse 1 to 8, and then jump into Romans chapter 6 from verse 15 to 23. As all of you know, we are in our series where we're going through Romans verse by verse. Now, Romans 8.1 says this way, and this is well known to all of us, but let us read it. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. For that, uh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Now I wanna, I'm getting into the crux of the verses that I want to get to, verse 6 and 7. It says, For to be carnally minded is death. This is God's sentence. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote as how things work. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh 
cannot please God. Now, this passage starts out seemingly very positively and then ends, looks as if it's negative. But it, the whole thing is very, very positive. What Paul is saying in this passage is that there is a law. It's called the law of the spirit of life. And what that is, is this. God has pronounced that whosoever lives by the Spirit shall live. And he's also pronounced that should you want to live by the flesh, it would mean your death. So God has come and he has given a sentence over those that has put their trust in Jesus. And what he has given, his verdict and his sentence, in other words, he can find you guilty or not guilty. And should you believe upon Jesus, you are found guilty of um, trusting in him. And should you then, let somebody say, you know, is this person guilty of trusting in Jesus? Yes, he is guilty. He has renounced his own ability to produce life. And he's found guilty in trusting in Jesus. So what is his sentence? This is his sentence. He is set free from the law of sin and death, which brings corruption and decay, and is placed under the jurisdiction and under the rule and the power of God bringing forth life in them. This person, therefore, is set free from the whole system and its fruit, which is called Death, the system of death, the system of righteousness by your own works. He is set free from that. That is what this passage says. It says here, for to be carnally minded, carnally minded, let me just stand still there for a moment. Carnally minded doesn't mean to have a bad thought. Carnally minded, or let me put this way, carnally minded doesn't mean that you see a president making a wrong decision according to you and now you feel a bit of fear. That is not carnally mind, or when you have a bad thought about somebody. That is not what Paul has in mind when he talks about carnally minded. When Paul talks about carnally minded, what he has in mind in the context of Romans is to think that you, you uh, have your righteousness before God in the flesh, meaning that you think that you have to be a Jew or an Israelite and from there uh, obey the law that is carnally minded where your mind find your righteousness or your identity in your flesh now the people in in, in Rome here uh, that he was writing to the Gentiles were finding their identity in their flesh as well saying we are the blessed because in the flesh we are not Jews. And they, they believe, they started to believe that should you be a Jew, that God has turned his back upon you, that he doesn't, that he cannot save you anymore, and that salvation is now for Gentiles in the flesh. So these people had their identity in their flesh. Am I a Jew or am I a Gentile? And what he comes and what Paul is trying to say here is, he says, let us look at the Jews. They put their identity in the flesh and then they try to obey the law. And 
I can give myself as an example, the more I tried to do it, the more I found that the flesh, which is mortal, is manifesting its mortality in my emotions, in my feelings, in my business, in whatever I am doing. So, um, what I'm saying is this. Those who has put their trust in Jesus, and what I mean by putting your trust in Jesus is this. We have put our trust in Jesus as the King and the Lord over the world, over the whole cosmos. And we believe that He, by His Spirit and His governance and His rulership, shall bring forth the full manifestation of the kingdom of God into our lives. That is what it means to trust Him. We trust that Jesus, through the power of the Spirit, will bring forth the fullness of God's life into manifestation, into our flesh, and into everything we do. And that He does it by His doing. That's what it means to trust Jesus. Now it says, He who has trusted Jesus, we are now saying that the Spirit of Jesus, or the life of Jesus, will bring forth life in us. We are then those who walk by the Spirit. So what does it mean if we say we walk by the Spirit? We are saying, no, you know, we will not have life and access to our inheritance in God by the fact that we obey the law or that we, um, or the commandments of the law or the Mosaic covenant or, or any of those things. We find our identity in the fact that Jesus died for humans. We are human. And he's got dominion over humans. And therefore we are under his power. And we submit to that power. We don't resist that power. We don't make ourselves enemies of that power. We embrace that power. When we embrace that power, the life of Jesus, or we can say the spirit of life, works in us then. These are then those who walk by the spirit. So how do you walk by the Spirit? By believing in Jesus. And as you believe in Jesus, His life starts to bring life to you. And that's what verse 9 says there. It says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Now what he's simply saying here is that if we don't have the doctrine or the teaching or the life that comes from the fact that Jesus is the Messiah, we are none of his. It means everything that comes forth in our lives comes from our own willpower. So by belief in Jesus, everything that comes forth in us is from him. Glory to God, all the good that comes forth. Now let me summarize the first part of this message. What I want to say is this, we that believe in Jesus, are we've received a life sentence. Now, this life sentence is not a life sentence in prison or a life sentence of hard labor. It's a life sentence of life. That means eternally we will have the life of God as the source of all life in us. That gives us the boldness 
from where we can expect him to manage our lives. And should there be anything in our life that doesn't line up with his quality of life, we have the assurance in the resurrection of Jesus that God by his spirit will end all forms of death in us and bring forth his fruit in us. And in the end, we'll even find then the bodily resurrection. Um, the other day I was, before I was going to bed, I was just thinking of my life and I was thinking of the gospel and where God has brought me. And I was thinking of getting, and I was thinking of, you know, getting older. It was just uh, Hilena's birthday. Um, and I mean, we're the same age and we are all getting older. We're not old. I'm not old. <laughs> we're just getting older. But as you realize you're getting older, you realize that most people get, let's say, 80 years of age. And you've already had a good amount of those years. And in that realization, you realize what it means to have a life that has got an end to it in some form or fashion. And as you realize how temporal, this is what happened to me, as I sat there and as I realized how temporal my life is, the greatness of joy rose in me as I realized as well that I've been granted eternal life. Isn't that beautiful? So many of us, all of us, have to deal with the fact that we're all running out of years somehow. But God has come and in a very simplistic way, He's come and showed us that He can give us eternal life, free from our efforts. How? By raising Jesus Christ from the dead. And we see how Jesus received eternal life. And that blesses me. That means in order for God to give me eternal life, He has to conquer all the death in my flesh. He has to be the conqueror of all sin in the flesh. He has to condemn sin in my flesh. If He's come to give me as a complete human, including my flesh, eternal life. That makes Him the king and the ruler and the author of life in my flesh where i don't have to rely upon the flesh but i rely upon him and he gives me as a complete human a new life from where i become what is called a new creation there was a creation but the first creation had something about it that was not good it is a temp it's temporal it had time connected to it it had uh, 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 an expiry date if you call it like that scientists tells us that we will eventually um, you know uh, uh, everything is all heat is going to disappear from the uh, from the universe and then we will all freeze to nothingness that is what they're telling us that talking about this normal world but we have seen a god that has entered the temporal and he took the dust and the mortar of the temporal in the form of the human Jesus who also became subject to death and decay and he entered death the father then raised him from the dead and recreated that 
mortal man into an eternal living human where God became the one that conquered all death in the flesh and gave him eternal life. That is what God has come to promise us and what he has come to give us. So uh, as a summary for the first part of this message, I want to say this to you. We are under the lifelong sentence of eternal life. That means it's perpetual. It can never stop. We are under that. And it is God's job to manifest that. We trust him. By trusting him, the Bible, according to Paul, calls that walking in the spirit. Now, right. With that in mind, let us go to Romans 6.15. It says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace or under the power of the Spirit? It says, God forbid. Know you not to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey. His servants you are whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So when we obey God by obeying his command, which is, trust me, we are under the rule of righteousness and we are the servants or you study that word out actually means the slaves of righteousness where we are enslaved to life i've seen it so many times in my relationship uh, with god and my family as what i was before i got into the grace message a slave of sin and death and doesn't matter how much good i do eventually i find the good not working out and death setting in again because i'm a slave of that you can run but you're going to be caught and you're going to be brought back because you are a slave in the very same way i have found now that we are under grace i have been made a slave of righteousness i have found that even if i might be drawn into something negative uh, i am because i am owned <laughs> by god and i am a slave of righteousness righteousness is going to manifest in me again and blessing is going to manifest in me again i cannot run from it it's going to happen again why because i'm under the rulership of god i'm under the rulership of life and that is what happens i've seen that in my relationship with my children i've seen that in my relationship with my friends i've seen that in my relationship with my wife i've seen that in ministry all the time we're under the rulership of life glory to god it says um, in verse 17 but god be thanked that we were the servants of sin, but we have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. So how do we obey? We obey a doctrine. How do you obey a doctrine? You believe the doctrine. Some people say doctrine is not important. Well, I've got news for you. It's through obedience to doctrine that we are delivered from sin. What is the doctrine? The doctrine is this. What is the teaching? The teaching is this. Jesus was raised from the dead 
And we, therefore, see that God has conquered and condemned sin in the flesh, and He has appointed this man, Jesus, as the Lord of all the world. And as we submit to Him and His rulership, this is the doctrine, He shall also quicken our mortal bodies by His Spirit. And so we will live with Him forever. That's the doctrine. Glory to God. Believe in Jesus. As we believe this doctrine, we have been set free. Being made free from being enslaved to sin and death, we became the servants or the slaves of righteousness. I want to read verse 11 quickly in uh, Romans chapter 6. It says here, um, For in that he died, Jesus died, he died unto sin once. But in that he lives, he lives unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves indeed to be dead unto the inability that is inside your flesh or sin, but alive unto God or that we will live because of God he says here that we when we under the law we can reckon this or we can come to this calculation or this bottom line conclusion that because of the weakness inside us we will find that our portion is death but now in Jesus have this reckoning or this bottom line conclusion which is that we are alive on account of God. God is now our source of life. God is now death's problem. You know, it's like a virus. A, friend, a, a good friend of mine's uh, son got uh, a very bad chicken pox. I think it's called, that's what it's called. Is that what we call it, Ileana? Chicken pox? I don't know what it's called. I think that's what we call it. But water pox is in Afrikaans. And he just had this rash all over his body and then the stuff went inside into his lungs and he was in intensive care and uh, it came out later that the doctors basically or the nurses feared for his life and that he, he somebody just before him died of it. So uh, there he was in intensive care, they were caring for him and he was going through a, a, a very rough time. And he was basically under the power of that virus. And that virus was trying to consume life in him. And as what we understand a virus trying to end our life, we need to see God as a virus, if you want to call it like that. When we have believed in Jesus, we got infected with the God virus, which is called life. Death would describe God as a virus that is draining out all of death there is, spreading life. And that is what Jesus Christ has come to give us. And that is what we believe. It says, verse 11, Likewise, reckon also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not therefore... Or because of this truth and obeying the doctrine of this truth, sin uh, uh, reign in your mortal body that you should obey the lust thereof. How are we seeing sin and death die in us? But not by us trying to stop it, but by 
getting infected with the God virus, getting infected with the life of God, standing under the sentence of his life. That is what this is all about. Now I want to um, end this off uh, and just get into verse 20 to 23 here. It says here in verse 20, For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. So when you were slaved, enslaved under, under sin, you were delivered from righteousness. It says, What fruit have you then in those things uh, which you are ashamed of? For the end of those things is death. Being now, but now being made free from sin, you became the servants of God. You have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. So what he's saying here, as free as what you were from a holy life when you tried to do it by yourself. That's how free we are from bondage since we've believed upon him. Listen to this and I'm going to use different words here. It says, but now being made free from sin, you became the servants of God and the fruit or the result of that is holiness and the end everlasting life so what is the end what have we been sentenced unto everlasting life for the wages or the effect of trying to live by the law is death but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ what is this gift of god the gift of god is to end what destroys us by the power of the Spirit and not our own power. Glory to God. Well, I trust this message has blessed you. I would love to pray for you. Father, I want to thank you that we could gather here today. And I want to thank you that we are under the life sentence. We know what you have given us and we know that you bless us. Thank you that we can be excited and uh, expectant of you bringing forth holiness and in the end everlasting life in our lives and that we can rest in you thank you for loving us so much father i want to pray for everybody that's watching this webcast today there are many people that has had a very negative year the 2019 ended very negative for them and it has just continued into 2020 and they've heard messages of this is the year of the favor of the Lord or the year of clear vision or the year of this or that or whatever. But they still see nothing has changed. I want to pray for them. I want to thank you, Father, that you through your spirit and also through this message has reminded them of the truth. And I thank you that they will have the experience and the enlightened mind of knowing and experiencing and having the reckoning where they can reckon themselves indeed alive unto God because of God. And as this reckoning starts to take place in their mind, the fruit will start to show. I want to thank you, Father, that doesn't matter how difficult the time is that they are going through. Uh, and as it pulls through from the old year into the new and, and how people can maybe feel discouraged because nothing has changed and this year starts starts at a very bad note that they can know it doesn't matter how negative it sounds 
they're under the rule of life. And that as they obey this form of doctrine, which is belief in Jesus, they will see that they are enslaved to life and the fruit of the Spirit. And that manifests by you. Thank you for encouraging your church that we can have a, a, a future flooded with hope in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for watching and I'm, a, I'm uh, very happy to bring you good news for the rest of this year and also on Facebook on a regular basis. Remember, God loves you and he will always love you. Amen. Yeah.